and Root, a podcast about a couple of guys that enjoy sharing thoughts and going deep into conversation. Take us en route to your next destination. We are never running out of topics. back. Episode 5 is upon us. My name is Tom Stott. I'm joined today by my very good friend, Conrad Laskowski. Hello, Conrad from Maryland. How are you doing? Hey, Tom. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Is it Conrad from Maryland or Conrad from New Jersey? Did I just <laughs> mess that up right no. off the bat? Uh, no, it, I think I've lived almost in Maryland as long as I, uh, I lived in New Jersey. So, um, uh, you know, for almost as long. So I think either way. Uh, but yeah, New Jersey roots, Maryland current home. Okay, there we go. All yeah, right, so Conrad works. and I, I remember the first time I met you, we went on a run together in Seneca Creek State Park. I met you at the Rosalima Church, oh my and God. <laughs> we pulled up there in the parking lot, and I had no idea what I was getting into um, in terms of our good buddy Ryan McGrath linked us up. He said, oh, you guys are both MoCo fellas now and live in Montgomery County, um, coming from that Baltimore running group. Go ahead and link up. And we went down and, and laid some pretty good miles. And, I, and what I think was about a 10 or 11 mile run there in the park. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Um, I don't think I knew what I was getting myself into either because now <laughs> years later, I'm on a podcast with you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you never know, do you? Yeah, really. You never know. It's awesome. All right. So Conrad, Conrad and I have done some pretty cool stuff together as, uh, through Elevation Running and back in Maryland through Sports Performance Institute, really trying to do our best to empty dump to brain dump on people about running right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but, pretty much i mean just kind of filling in gaps for people who may have some experience or just sort of starting people off who may have none or you know helping people who are already pretty well experienced get even better all right well i have spent some time talking about myself and some of uh, my background can you spend just a couple minutes telling me a little bit about yourself, what you do for, from nine to five, kind of what some of your other passions are. Um, you've gotten into coaching at, at, a, at a pretty high level. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I think I'm somebody who can't really uh, sit still for too long. Um, my wife definitely has noticed that. And I have a lot of different interests. So, you know, I, I've definitely considered myself a runner for as long as I can remember. I started running when I was very young. And then I had some really good coaching and teammates uh, in high school, and I sort of really got competitive then, uh, went on to run um, in college at the University of Maryland, um, and have continued running after that um, competitively uh, for fun, more kind of like holistically. And then I've sort of taken some of that experience and knowledge and folded it into coaching, um, which I've really enjoyed lately a lot more, um, coaching younger runners, uh, you know, even mentoring kids in the high school age where I kind of see them starting off the way that I sort of started, started off. And I can, you know, sort of see like an entire future for them that they might have no idea about. Um, and, uh, even adult runners who, you know, are doing it for their own well being, some of whom are maybe rehabbing from cardiac events and things like that. And 
Um, so just kind of like taking all of this knowledge and life experience and folding it into coaching. Um, but then for my, my nine to five or sometimes my five to nine, I would call <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I am a, uh, I'm a full-time, uh, mechanical engineer. Uh, I work for a company outside of Baltimore and we do a lot of medical device design and product design in general. So, uh, I do a lot of work on the computer. I do a lot of hands-on fabrication and prototyping of all sorts of different cool things. Um, it's really actually pretty fun work and it kind of ties in some of my, my passions for making and creating and, and things like that. So, so outside of running and fitness and moving, I'm still kind of moving, but I'm also sort of tying it in with my mind because I like to do, you know, art projects and things at home. I do a lot of like woodworking and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't know what else I, I'm kind of play the drums, you know, I like to dabble in everything. So, uh, a, definitely a somebody who likes man. To, yeah, well, somebody who just can't sit still, like I said, so I'm just always, I wouldn't know. I, I don't know that I'm great at <laughs> any of them, like the drums or anything, but, uh, I certainly well, enjoy them. I, I mean, I'll take, I'll tell a, a brief story. I remember walking through and I know you as this really talented, you know, primarily aerobic athlete, but just somebody that I, you know, we'd be in the physical therapy clinic and you just grab a soccer ball and start juggling. I was like, Oh, he knows how to play soccer too. But then we'd, we'd be at <laughs> lifetime fitness together, you know, upstairs working on the Olympic, you know, platforms and we'd come off a deadlift set and you just walk over and start hitting the speed bag. I was like, Oh, he knows how to hit a speed bag too. <laughs> I know how to look like I play yeah, soccer. Like, oh, and I know he, how to look he, he like boxes. I can hit the speed bag. Right. No, so no. it's yeah. it's what's been well, cool. I can tell you what's yeah. been cool from my point of view is because um, I've had a similar experience through the coaching that I've done. Um, I feel like sometimes you end up accidentally getting into coach mode when you, you don't really know. It's just you, you get these fires lit and you start forecasting because you can see mm -hmm. the future for a lot of these people, like you mentioned, especially the younger athletes all of a sudden you're like, Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking your ear off. Do you even want to hear this? You know, it's what I found myself. Right. I'm like, Oh, I'm totally giving, I'm just totally gone therapist mode on you. Let me back off. Sorry. I have, I've definitely done that. I did that recently. Um, some kid who was just basically, he's just trying to run because he's interested in going to, uh, the Naval Academy and wants to be in good shape for their physical test. And I was like, man, you know, you could end up doing this. You could end up doing that. <laughs> like, it's a great way to travel the world. And he's just like, man, like I can see in his eyes. He was a little like, I'm worried about my AP courses yeah. and that's about it. So just chill. He's so, like, I'm going yeah. for a 20 minute run. What is your issue right now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like that, that crazy old guy now. Yep. Well, thanks for telling everybody a bit about yourself. I think that's important so they can kind of connect with, with where you're at and where you're kind of coming from. I wanted to have a chat with you formally uh, as we've had very similar chats uh, on countless occasions, because I feel like you and I have a fairly paralleled uh, relationship with running in terms of setbacks, whether it's like from a physical injury or coming back from an injury, setbacks, things were, I feel like on times we've been knocking at the door to that next performance level or that next target or time. And then we just get our soul crushed, you know, by something else that comes up. So um, yeah. I, I talked about in a couple episodes ago, a bit about my, you know, my history with running related injuries and how I feel like it's, it's helped me shape me into, you know, it's weird to say now, but a better runner, uh, because I'm more appreciative and well-rounded. But I just feel like, 
your journey is so similar to mine that it, it'd be worth hearing it from another point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally see that. And I, I think it's probably a very relatable journey for a lot of people. It just sort of always takes a different form. Um, so in my particular instance, when I was in high school um, and I was sort of developing my, my serious passion for not just running, but competing, um, I was doing really well. I, I um, was you know, nationally ranked at certain distances. Um, I competed in outdoor nationals with you know, teammates of mine down in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, competed at you know, the Northeast Foot Locker and things like that. And, um, but you know, I don't know if it has to do with the A-type personality that I am and that a lot of the running community sort of um, is because I think we're drawn to sort of the habitual nature of running and competing and performing. Um, but the stresses, I think, of both the physical things that I was doing at that time, the expectations of competing as a D1 athlete in college while also, you know, pursuing something like engineering and, and all of that, it just, it started to really wear me down. And I started to have some health issues. I was noticing breathing difficulties, um, digestive issues, just generalized fatigue. You know, I, I was even, I did a sleep study and they thought I might've been consistent with narcolepsy and stuff like that. And, you know, blood work was suggestive of Lyme disease and chronic fatigue and mononucleosis. I mean, it was almost like to the point where if you, if you name it, they thought that it could have, you know, it could have been me really what I think all of it was pointing to was my immune system was, was going. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like and you had, good. you were like one doctor visit away from another diagnosis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it was like, if nobody could give me any answers, if I went into somewhere, they at least wanted to give me something. But at, at some point that just became like muddied waters, you know? So really what we took away from that. And I say we, because I mean like, you know, myself, my family and my coach and, and teammates was like, okay, I am run down. Something is up. My immune system probably needs a break. And so, um, I was definitely disappointed. I was expecting to do great things. And I, I did still go on to compete a little bit in college and train with the team and things like that. But it wasn't, you know, the picture that I had sort of had in my mind when I was working really hard to, to get to a certain point. But, um, I gave it some time. I kind of gave myself some space. I would go on runs that were just sort of for me and, and easier. I would take days off. I would focus on, uh, eating right and, you know, sleeping and, and just doing all these things that I knew with enough time in theory should be the things that will make me feel better. And, you know, sure enough, I mean, with enough time, after those highs of feeling like I was doing everything I really wanted to, to then that crashing off the cliff, feeling like it was all sort of stolen from me. Um, I did slowly climb out of that hole and feel better. And I did rediscover running competitively again, um, around the time that I left college. And quite frankly, I was fueled by gratitude at that point because it was a thing that I thought I was never going to have again. And then for me to slowly sort of test the waters and realize, okay, not only can I potentially have this again as a thing that I can do to enjoy, I can actually compete again and I'm not having these problems. And it felt like such a gift and I didn't want to waste it. And so I sort of, you know, fully committed myself again to trying to tap into that. And I'm really 
glad that I did. Um, it definitely always seems to sort of come around. I, I had some great experiences. I've been inspired beyond my expectations by the running community, friends, you know, um, other fellow competitors who I sort of hold very, you know, at very lofty levels above me, um, that I aspire to, uh, you know, I've rubbed shoulders with folks like Matt Lano at, and Berlin getting to talk with him after a race or running just a simple shakeout run with someone like Emma Coburn when she was in DC for, um, the, the anti-doping, the U S efforts that she partakes in and, um, running with a local guy here, like Mike Wardian and, you know, just all these people who I sort of really, look up to and aspire to for what they've done. Um, but also fully appreciating that they did not get to where they are, or they have not done the things that they've done without similar hardships and setbacks and, and things like that. So, um, my more recent experience has been with, uh, hip surgery, you know, a, a hip impingement. So similar to you, Tom, this is where our paths really become quite right. exactly. similar and in parallel. Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, you know, I got to the point where I was so grateful and I could do so much that I was able to do so much and, you know, ebb and flow those highs and lows of life. I think that sort of eventually took its toll. And now I, I have some things that I'm fighting and, you know, working to come back from probably related to that, that are slightly more on the, the physical side of things. So, you know, in the previous lesson, I sort of learned about managing some of the emotional and the mental stresses of it. And, uh, this time I think I'm learning a lot more about, as you would say, sort of being like a strong and healthy person first and foremost, before being a strong and healthy runner. Uh, because I think I was a runner for so long that some of those other strengths, um, sort of fell by the wayside. And so I'm learning that I'm having to sort of hit a little bit of a reset button and get some of those things back. You know, that's a, um, that's such a fully, tough pill to swallow too, because in the, is, in the yeah, endurance, humbling. you know, community, there's this notion that oh, like if you take some time off, you're going to lose all your gains. You know, it's, it's, it's silly because we know that yes. it's just not going to just go away. Yes. Yeah, some of your fitness is not going to stay there forever. It's what needs to be trained. But, yeah. you know, we look at something yeah. like, or, you know, a couple months off and you're like, Oh, why would you ever, ever do that voluntarily? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Why are you starting fresh? It's like, well, I've, I've felt like I've been quote unquote off for years now. And so <laughs> I'm still, you know, I still have to maintain the hope that, um, at any point you can kind of come back because I think those, these things are actually benefiting me. You know, I would say that right now I am actually a well-rounded, stronger person than I've ever been. Um, and it's because when you're running and you think to yourself, man, I can just, I could drop everything right now and maybe with, or even without the proper footwear, I could go and I could run a 15 mile run right now. You know, like I could run 20 miles right now. I could run these Hills. I could do a quick workout and you feel sort of invincible, but you don't necessarily appreciate that. That's only sort of one aspect of life or one type of an activity or one aspect of well-being or fitness, or sometimes it's even at the expense of fitness and well-being yeah. and health. Um, you know, and so, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, like you said, a hard pill to swallow or a humbling thought to think, how can I do all these things, but not also consider myself a strong individual, right? Well, you know, maybe eventually you find out that if you're doing those things enough, 
maybe you're not using other muscle groups and they don't, you know, they no longer serve you to stabilize you. And so it can result in a hip impingement or maybe, um, you go and you do that one move that one day cleaning something out of your house or lifting up your newborn or something like that. And you like throw out your back, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard for us to think that we can do these other things, but not necessarily be capable of everything. And I think that was the the humbling experience for me. Um, and then the other component to that was that I also, um, I have lots of roots tied in with the running community. And unfortunately, it's hard to kind of consider yourself a part of that or to still partake in a lot of what that community revolves around when you can't run. Um, so that was sort of, there were some internal things that were hard to cope with. And then there were some sort of like more external factors that were like a little bit of a loss of a community for a period of time there that were, were hard and to deal with. That's but, tough too. Cause it's not um, like yeah. when you go from running at the level that, that, you know, like you were running to, it's not like you went to less, you went to none. So there's a downshift there from like sixth gear to first. And then when you move to still stay in that running community, there's a lateral shift you have to make to now you're all the way in first gear and you're laterally moving over to be like support. It's just, I mean, that's like, there's two giant changes back to back. Yeah. I basically, I had to decide whether I loved this thing enough to still want to be a part of it in whatever capacity I could, or did I want to, throw my hands up, abandon it all and become bitter and jaded and resent it for what I felt like it had done to me when in reality, everything was just, you know, circumstance and things that I had done. And I don't know that I would have done any differently to tell you the truth, because I look back, yeah, I look back on everything that I've done and all the experiences I've had, like some of the things I listed off. And uh, I mean, like being able to spectate at the Barkley marathons was something I was able to do. And those were some of the coolest experiences in a couple of days. And like, I mean, just being with friends at club cross country nationals, you know, stuff like that. Like, I don't think I would have given those up for all of the struggles and hardship and things that I've been dealing with lately. And, uh, so the lateral movement that I chose as you, you know, beautifully put basically, it was like to put myself more into coaching and seeing others, succeed and do these things while also trying to sort of use my experience to prevent them from uh, a similar fate if possible. Um, also to bike, you know, if I can bike, bike along with friends of mine who are running and would benefit by having someone biking or pacing, um, uh, even just contributing some of my artistic abilities to, uh, folks like yourself or others who have, sort of services that revolve around fitness and well-being and maybe need logo design or something like that. So yeah, basically any capacity I could find that I could still do to offer that community, I chose to sort of put more of my what time I, in What I keep thinking about you um, is um, I, f- I feel like you and I are both very much st- still, uh, very much so still kiddos at heart. Um, and that's evident when we get together, yeah. <laughs> I think there's, you know, maybe every other sentence that's spoken is is not followed by a laugh you know so um yeah (laughs) but what 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 a big topic in the media right now is specialization in sport for children and the national athletic trainers association just released a a big report that really is pushing parents to consider with their nine and ten year olds you know 
diversification and, and not having them do the same sport year round. And I just think of how yeah. in running we have like a, a, occasionally we nudge cross training, but even as running coaches, we know that, you know, the most of our runners do a lot of running, you know, we'll throw some cross training in there, but you know, it might be time for us to consider, you know, the pathways of some of the world's top runners right now, like a Killian Jornet, that you know, it's crazy sky ultra mountain runner that, that skis for four months out of the year and really kind of start applying that to our coaching mindset. And I just keep thinking of you and your, your specialization of all of the things to a certain degree, like your, your specialization in generalization of skill. And I'm like, that's gotta be something that, yeah. that you've been able to tap into that's helped you get through some of this stuff. Oh yeah, 100%. So I, I do kind of consider myself like a, a polymath. So somebody who's interested in all these things, but these things have also been gifts to me because they're lifelines, right? So if, if the running is ever lost, which at times it has been, I am not, uh, like I said earlier, immediate to become uh, jaded or um, to turn my back on it altogether and ne- never potentially view it as something that I can revisit and and perhaps even, um, exceed my prior self at, you know what I mean? And so I have these other things that I can turn to that keep me sane. They keep me well-rounded. They keep me active and healthy, um, and engaged. And I, I do fear, uh, the idea that children would be sort of typecast, if you will, from, from a very early age, perhaps not even, um, in something that they've chosen. Right. So if it's something that a a parent has thought they would excel at, uh, the question of whether or not they even enjoy it might have gone out the window. And so I would like to see children sort of uh, exposed to a variety of various things. Eventually, they will be a well rounded athlete who can then, if they choose, sort of pick one of them to sort of really pursue and, and hold as a dream very close to their heart and see what they can do with it. But they'll always have those skill sets, those abilities and those fallbacks should they choose or need them. And then, um, it just sort of makes life, uh, life a little more well-rounded as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's something that I think is a useful, uh, tool to have in your toolbox. If you, you know, hope to be a healthy and, um, engaged human being throughout, you know, your entire right, absolutely. duration. I, I think it's been cool <laughs> scene. Um, yeah. you know, I wish there'd be, it's kind of nonchalant. I, w- I wish it'd be made a little bit bigger of a, of a deal of how special it is to see like a Sir Mo Farah or Usain Bolt on the soccer pitch. Like that's, I, I know there's running in soccer, yeah. a whole lot of it. And we get some very talented distance runners come from soccer backgrounds with, you know, the six to eight to 10 to 12 miles of running they'll do in a 90 minute match. But, um, to be able to go out and, and, and show that kind of skill and it's just, yeah, I, I love to see well-rounded, as you mentioned earlier, athletes and humans that can also do some of the special stuff, you know, on two feet. Yeah. You know, you need to know yourself. It really comes down to like the athlete knowing themselves and, unless you ever try other things, you're never going to know some of those things that could actually benefit you more. You know, you might think that you're doing everything right at any level, even if you're already a highly competitive athlete, 
Um, you might think you're doing everything that you need to be doing, but unless you're trying some of those other things and experimenting, there might've been more in you that you could tap into. I mean, and, and then the other thing I would point out is like, we see a lot of the approach that certain people take that they want to present. So in other words, um, if somebody is a highly competitive runner and they're only a, a half-assed right. cyclist, <laughs> What, what do you think they're going to put out there more of, you know what I mean? Like, are they going to put out there that they cross train occasionally, but that they suck at cycling, but they do it. Or are they going to put out there when they're nailing their, you know, 20 by 400 meter repeats or whatever, like when they're running and they're crushing those. So it's, we need to be very cautious of what people might actually be doing and what we're actually seeing. Um, you know, even someone like who the person I mentioned previously, like Michael Wardian, who I would say arguably probably does a lot of running, maybe even more so than your, your, uh, uh, your average right. athlete at his level, um, or even at levels above him Volume, um, in yeah. terms of speed and performance. Yeah. Yeah. But, but when you look at some of the stuff he does on the side, like he does strength training, you know, he does cross training and things like that. Um, but the things he's usually putting out there, uh, that people are really are paying attention to, or at least that I've seen are really responding to are more of the, the running related things. So I think there are lots of examples of people who you'd be surprised um, are doing a variety of things that you would never expect. And it could be the reason that they're actually able right. to do that other thing no, so it's, well. It's the stuff that happens, you know, behind closed doors that often sets you up for success. I always like the, uh, you know, the cross country adage yeah. that, you know, it's, it's what happens when we're two and a half miles into the three mile race in the middle of the forest when no one's around, like the move that gets made that wins the race, not, yeah. you know, what the, the, the final 50 meters that people see or whatnot. Yeah. Or it's that, that quote, I'm probably slaughtering it, but it's like, it's, it's the things I do in darkness oh, yeah. that awesome. put me in the light. I can always count on you for a quote, Conrad. <laughs> I've got a million of them. Yeah, you just, I just, keep I've it, just got a Google page keep up here it, with keep it on the, on the ready. So you mentioned a word earlier that yeah, you know, is, is something that we don't talk about a lot. You mentioned the word fear. Um, can you touch on the role that fear has played in your whole relationship with endurance sports and these comebacks and soul crushing moments and setbacks? And can you touch on that for me? Yeah. Yeah, I have an intimate <laughs> relationship with it because, um, so obviously going back into running after my first sort of experience with um, feeling maybe the effects of it uh, on the on the negative side, sort of feeling run down by it, um, I was afraid to risk that again. I was afraid to get back out there, but a lot of people are afraid. <laughs> like a lot of people are afraid, even some of the the highest performing athletes in the world, they tow a line and they're afraid. The difference is they don't let the fear paralyze them. They harness the fear and they use it to exceed at what they're trying to do. And so I have similar experiences or similar uh, feelings and relationship toward fear where I was sort of between this position of, um, I walked out of my office one day and I was in Baltimore and I was not running at the time. And I did not know that I would ever run again. And I crossed the street and I heard 
a buddy of mine, um, Ryan McGrath. This gentleman, that's a stretch. Gentleman that is a, be, that's uh, a gift. Uh, very, that is a gift. That might be super. Yeah, that might be super generous. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's leave it. We'll at call that. him a guy. <laughs> yeah, Ryan McGrath, basically a, a, a family friend of mine. Uh, grew up in the same town. Uh, went to a high school not far from mine. Our our uh, families, our parents, actually have been friends for a long time. And then he ended up going to Maryland several years before me, uh, and then sort of lived in Baltimore after that. Well, I, I didn't really know him all that well at the time as far as that, you know, knowing that he was organizing this running group in Baltimore in the city. So he calls over to me and I um, got to talking with him and he was saying, I should come out and join them and run with them because this was this, uh, this meetup and this running group on Monday nights. And so I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll, I might do that. And I kind of left there and I really had to think about it because I was a little worried or afraid. I was in this, this place between my previous experiences and sort of this opportunity to maybe test the waters again. Um, and I am extremely grateful first that he recognized me and called me over. Uh, secondly, that he has organized this community of people in the city. And then thirdly, that I did take the opportunity and the chance to actually come out and start running with them because it was sort of a spark for all the things that we've talked about since. Um, Right. Including our meetup, you know, um, including all of the the um, team related things that I was mentioning and my own personal overcoming of that fear and realizing that uh, if I hadn't done that, I would have missed out on a whole lot of things. And I think that's usually the lesson that we get on the other side of fear is that um, if we're afraid, it's a filter right? If you're afraid, it means there's only a crack in the door and only a few people are getting in. And on the other side of that, there might be something that's really worth it, but only a handful of people get to experience. And so I would say, uh, if you can view fear like that, then you should try to sort of run on, you know, run into it headlong at full speed. Did you pull that (laughs) off a Google page? That was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah thanks man no that one came straight straight out of my uh, i know when i've kind of tried to you know and you and i have had some conversations as we've been aqua jogging and you know deep water aqua jogging next to each other about how you kind of remain you know optimistic but you know at, at this phase in life um you know there's there's some sense of realism that kicks in that I would describe myself as an optimistic person, but yeah. I mean, I, I deal with this. Yeah. And I deal with yeah. the same optimistic, but and, realistic you know, thoughts and yeah. self, you know, negative thought patterns of that everybody else deals with. And you'd mentioned something at one point in conversation to me about remembering how good the, the running highs felt. Um, you know, especially when you are in these low points for, for somebody out there that's sitting in a low point, you know, maybe it's not from an injury. Maybe they just, maybe they honestly just been a bit lazy, you know, life got in the way, maybe moved family jobs, kiddos, whatever the case. And they've kind of, they're out of touch with running. Um, you remember what you had told me about how to kind of spark some of that, that love back for running and, and kind of where it can get you and in terms of motivation. Hmm. I'm not sure if I remember the exact, the exact sentiment. Um, but 
I, I think I know kind of what you're alluding to. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're feeling those lows, um, and you're trying to remember those highs, um, you know, I think it's important to, to sort of like do what you can at that present time. I think it's important to, um, try and latch onto some of like the positive memories, but also maybe the hopeful things that you can look forward to. I think I sort of, in my mental landscape, I view it like there are these highs and these lows, but with the lows, you know, you know that you sort of have this, this peak coming ahead of you as well. So if you can kind of always keep your eyes looking forward, then you know, like, okay, when I'm at this low, as long as I keep working in all likelihood, there will be a, a climb out and a new peak. And so, um, I think I try to kind of like view this landscape, like there are these undulations and this ebb and flow and nothing is ever linear, right? I think this expectation of linear progression or improvement is Which is what uh, every like running a false plan choice, and you know, spreadsheet and data graph wants you to see is that nice yeah. line of best fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate that that's the case. It's become like this I- idealized um, metric for human, <laughs> human achievement and human performance that really like is rarely if ever met. It, it sort of depends on the scale. You know, if they're talking one training cycle, sure, that could be the case. But if you want to look at it in terms of like an entire career of someone as a runner or an entire lifetime of someone just as an active individual, uh, that I, I would argue that that has never been the case ever in the history <laughs> right. of humanity for any individual ever. But I'll tell you how I really feel. Yeah. Literally no one ever. Yeah, ever. Like basically. Yes. Challenge me. Anyone, anyone. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Like, Hey, let's get, uh, let's get Uli Kipchoge on the phone and see what he thinks. Has his whole progression toward his recent achievements been uh, a linear one of just never, set no, back but that's you know all the media likes to report on is, you know so like, nine of nine for marathon win you know all yeah. of the, all of that stuff nothing behind the doors right yeah so that right that goes back to my whole we have to be we have to take everything that we see with a grain of salt i would love to see a compilation right. of someone's worst hits wow that <laughs> just was to really, see that like was a really bad you know and then by and not like have a name two, or like the Beatles sucked in that one yeah yeah right yeah yeah, I'm like just to see like like an an athlete whose name you know before you knew their name, see their like their uh, resume, if you will, or whatever, like their performances, and then have the name revealed to you. And I think you'd be shocked, you know, because it's not it's not those things that we have reported to us. It's like you were saying, it's all the, the positive stuff. Um, so I think I think it's just going back to what your previous question was, you know, I think it's important when you're in those lows to sort of keep your head up and, and look for the next highs, because I will guarantee you just like, uh, you're always sort of on guard when you're feeling good, that the next low might come when you're not feeling good. You should always be expecting yeah, that the next that high will come along with momentum it. So, to, to keep you nudging along. Awesome. Well, yeah, I very exactly. much so appreciate your time. I've had fun chatting with you. Are there any deep Conrad thoughts you want to leave our audience with today or you feel pretty happy with where you're at? <laughs> uh, I have, I, yeah, I have one, one other that uh, occurred to me in the midst of some of this stuff. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine recently who is a phenomenal runner um, and, and coach. He has been feeling like he's been working at some of his goals for a very long time and He's uh, getting 
he's getting a little like burned out and he's finding it harder and harder to stay motivated. And, and he's still shooting for things and he still has a lot of passion in him as a runner. And, um, but I think he worries a little bit about if, if he chooses or when he chooses, if he chooses not to run anymore. And if at some point, or he just, you know, he just can't run, um, how he will cope with not having that, that high that you were referring to, or those, those feelings. And I, I told him something that I've learned recently is that the nice thing about what you learn as a runner and, and those highs are that it doesn't only require running to get them. Running just happens to be, you know, your quote unquote drug of choice right now. But you see a lot of former athletes become philanthropists and entrepreneurs and CEOs, and they put all of that energy and creativity that they have into a new thing. And they get that same drive and passion and fulfillment out of it. Um, even if it's still something active, but a different thing or just pursuits. I think my bottom line would basically be that life at its core can be about having a passion and having a pursuit. And it doesn't necessarily have to be any one thing. And all of the lessons that you learn from, from say running, or if you're a swimmer from swimming, or if you're an artist from art, um, they apply across the board to all these different things that anyone can possibly conjure up. And it's a good thing that they do because it's that fact that has allowed us to have doctors (laughs) who are really good at their job podcasters <laughs> who are really, who are really good at their job, you know, web developers, lawyers, nutritionists, like, you know, at its core, it's all about people with passions. Awesome. I, I, that's a good back of a t-shirt. So I'll leave you with that. What's your pursuit? Yeah. It just, it just gets to the point. Well, <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect way to wrap things up. Love it, if man. people want to follow you, it's Conrad underscore. It's Conrad with a C O N R A D underscore. Laskowski, L-A-S-K-O-W-S-K-I. Is that the easiest way to follow you along life? Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the last name doesn't make it the easiest, but it's uh, awesome. <laughs> well, I'm going to drop this outro. Story. I will yeah, catch you later, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. We hope right, you enjoyed our conversation today. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Send us any comments, feedback, questions, or positive vibes on Instagram. David Welch can be found under the handle Plant Powered Running, all one word. And Tom Stott can be reached at Elevation underscore Running. We'll see you en route to your next adventure.